Okay, my name is Jeff Anderson. I am one of those friends of your pastor, Joe and Jolie. Uh, I love your pastors. I love what God's doing at this church. So um, if I get a little carried away, I've just been in four time zones. And I got in last night and had a really good dinner and with your pastor and, and team and, and your new youth pastor, Sobe, come on. So good things come out of Missouri. That's where I live. I'm going back to Missouri. He's staying in Ohio. So uh, it's great to be with you. Pastor Joe and Jolie, thank you for your friendship, your leadership, uh, your love for this church. I believe the greatest days are ahead for Mosaic. Keep making it hard to go to hell from this city. Okay? They're going to go to hell. They're going to have to move. Because Jesus is going to be made famous through this church. And this is, listen, I'm not even here today to, I don't see an offering, I don't take offerings. I just kind of tell people what I'm seeing around the world and what God is doing through Convoy. You have the choice today to say, hey, I'm going to be part of that. And one of this, this initiative called One Day, it's basically where we take one day and you've been coached and you've heard about it for weeks, but to take one day of our life one 240, if there's average 240 working days a year, of course, you work more, I work more. Average, and we take one 240th of our year, and we take that and we invest it into the lives of people we will never meet, places we'll probably never go, and honestly, the game changer of that meal or those that help that's going to that person will transform their life. That's why it's called One Day to Feed the World, because you're taking a day of your life and investing it, and only eternity will tell of the people that are in heaven because of that, but the people that continue to live every day because they don't have something good to eat. Today, 16,000 children will perish because they don't have something good to eat on the planet. Um, another 10,000 adults and children will perish because they don't have access to clean and pure drinking water. Almost 24,000 people a day and so we think that's not okay at Convoy. And secondly, it's a tragedy to, to die because of starvation. But it's a double tragedy to die without hearing about Jesus. Amen? And so it's a double injustice. So we want to make Jesus famous, but we also want to bring food and help and hope to people around the world. So that's what you're doing. Uh, thanks for having me today. Thankful to this church. Um, I want you to check out this video. This is kind of our year in review, 2021. short and sweet, but you could get the idea. So here's what Convoy of Hope does. We are, somebody said, well, you're kind of like the Red Cross with only with Jesus. And I wouldn't really say that because our competitors, we really don't have competitors because we partner with the local church around the world. So we resource the church in developing nations and in places where there are disasters to help people 
not just a handout, but a hand up to teach skills, to provide items and goods that they're going to need in those moments. And of course, life-sustaining food, agriculture business, a practice agribusiness that we have, over 22,000 farmers in our program, and over 25,000 women and girls that have graduated from our women's empowerment program in developing nations. So being a dad of daughters, so uh, I just want to say that here is my family, and this is the reason why I do what I do, and I just want to give you a quick clip into my newest grandbaby's life. That is my tribe. I have two son-in-laws, three daughters, three granddaughters, and a female cockapoo. That, these are two. That's Wilder and Hadley, and then the next one is Molly. This is the newest addition to the fam. So <clears throat> the only way I get the male in the family is one of my girls gets married, evidently. So I've got the youngest, Annika. She's 21. If you're available, see me afterwards. I'll be down front. <laughs> but I absolutely love my family. We have so much fun together. And uh, we like doing things together, of course. And our life is in southwest Missouri, where we live. But I travel extensively and, and share the hope uh, that you're bringing through Convoy of Hope. So one dark night outside a small town in Wisconsin, there was a fire that started local chemical plant. Uh, in the blink of an eye, it explodes into massive flames. The alarm goes out to all these fire departments, and the volunteer firefighters appeared on the scene. The chemical company president rushed to the fire chief and said, hey, all my secret formulas are in the middle of the plant in a vault. The first fire crew to get my, all the recipes and all of the formulas, I'm just going to give $50,000 to. So the roaring flames hold off the firefighters. More fire departments are called. And the situation is now desperate. Firemen arrived. The president of the chemical company said, now the, uh, the deal is $100,000 to the first fire department who can bring out my company's secret files in the middle of the building. From a distance, a lone siren was heard. It was another fire truck that came into sight. It was the volunteer rural township fire company composed of Norwegian men over the age of 70. To everyone's amazement, that little rundown fire engine roared right past all the new sleek engines that were parked outside the plant without even slowing down. It drove straight into the middle of the inferno. Outside, the other firemen are watching as these Norwegian old-timers get off this fire truck, jump right into the middle of the fire, fight it back on all sides, command performance, they extinguish the fire. Yay for old Norwegian guys. Well, the Grateful Chemical Company president goes over to the chief for your superhuman feat. He said, the reward's now at 200 grand, and he walked over to personally thank each of these old timers. And the local TV news reporter rushes in to capture the event on film and asks their chief, hey, what are you going to do with all that money? Well, said Oli Larson, the 75-year-old chief, the first thing that we're going to do is fix the brakes on this here truck. <laughs> so at Convoy of Hope, when everyone else is running out, we're running in. And we run in because of churches that can do one day to feed the world. 
because you help us feed kids. You help us respond to disasters. You help us train farmers and empower women and girls. You help us reach America through our community events all across America. We bring loads of food and product and set up tents and have a one day Saturday hope day where people can come and receive help and hope in Jesus name. And guess what? When our trucks leave town, the church is here to stay. And that's where we drive people. We direct people to the local church. Amen. That's what it's all about. You know, if they forget our name, we're cool with that. But we want to make sure they don't forget the name of Jesus. So I love that song. I love the worship set. But I love the song Hope Has a Name. That song moves me because when I go to Haiti or I go to El Salvador or we go to uh, Bulgaria, you're doing a missions trip next year with Convoy to Bulgaria. It's going to be epic. It's going to be life-changing. I'm so excited. I'll be praying for those of you that are going, raising funds part of that part of your life. But I will just say, uh, <clears throat> all of that is because of a demonstration of God's love and a presentation of the good news. That's what we do. So one day, simply, you started this movement last year in your church. I just pray you build on it. If you're not part of it, be part of it today. And uh, my wife and I, I wanted to explain to you, my wife and I do one day every year. So we're doing ours at the end of the month on um, the last like it's the last Monday of the Monday before Thanksgiving. That's when her and I slap our sticker on and we go to work and I work at Convoy of Hope. So I'm walking through the Convoy of Hope hallways with a one day to feed the world sticker. Okay. So I have to practice what I preach too, and not just come and encourage you to do it. Well, here's Hurricane Ian slides. We're entering the, the, now the eighth week of response to Hurricane Ian. We've distributed 2 million pounds of food, water, and supplies. 1,200 volunteers, 21 communities served, over 30 churches that we partner with in some of these slides that you're seeing. Go ahead and just run through those real quick. There we go. That was our fleet on the way to uh, Florida. And this was one of the packing parties. Good, did a lot of food, a lot of bottled water. And uh, this is a quick video of the church that we're staged at in the parking lot. And I wanted you to catch a glimpse of what's happening in this church parking lot. Check it out. So just heard that uh, Hurricane Ian has been out made landfall uh, as a very high Category 4, nearly a Category 5 storm. Don't know what this is going to look like, but it uh, sounds like it could be bad. Just got off the phone with the pastor and got an update. Pot Island is a total loss. They said that the only two houses standing is their house and the neighbor's house. to get close. As we've talked to different people on the ground, everybody is scared and overwhelmed. So get ready to just love on people. Please understand what we're doing here. We're here to bring essential supplies, but more than that, we're here to bring hope. All right, we're going to give you some things. Okay. All right, in your house, okay? Our house, yes, but uh, my brother. God bless you. Hi. Yes, love you. Two families, guys. Okay, we'll get that strip for two things. I was in Cape Coral. It was uh, pretty bad. Uh, There's a lot of hopelessness that we're able to at least give them some hope and some help. Just being able to have a bottle of water, being able to get food. Grocery stores are not open. There's no power. Well, I lost the home that I was in, um, and now I got to find a place to live. Uh, now I'm forced to, to fend for myself. They need more than we can give them, but we can give them something. Don't withhold from people when it's within your ability to do something. We're doing something. 
the food didn't give me hope. It's you find people out here doing the work, the good works. That's what gives me hope, that there's still good people in this world. It brings a tear to my eyes, so. We are so grateful that Convoy of Hope got in. We saw them coming, it was like the cavalry coming. And we know that all these people are gonna have a little bit of a blessing today, a little bit of hope today. And we're so grateful for that. God bless you guys. So that was uh, one of our partner churches in um, Florida and we, Fort Myers actually. And you know, yay for that lady, right? Like multitasking, she's probably like the church admin or something, I don't know. I'm, but I just thought, who is that lady? And none of us know who she is. She just got in the video and she's like directing traffic, loving on people, giving food, saying like, Polychronic is the word. She is a multitasker. So, well, on to Ukraine. Uh, seven, and a half, seven and a half million Ukrainians have fled to neighboring countries in the last five months. As of course, you know, an unconventional war requires an unconventional response. Convoy of Hope has never done what we've done this year to respond in a wartime uh, war zone setting. Of the refugees taking shelter, most are women and children. Here's what's an interesting fact. There are few, if none, refugee camps, massive refugee camps, for the reason is that border countries, and especially in Poland, Poland has opened their hearts and arms and homes and businesses and churches and civic centers to Ukrainian refugees. So they have literally been parked on the border when this war started as Ukrainian refugees were fleeing out, mainly women and children, because the men stayed back to protect uh, their land and assets and, of course, fight in the war against the Russian forces. And so many of them were women and children that would cross the border only to find these families waiting for them in their buggies and carts and horse-drawn carts and wagons and vans to take these people into their homes and show radical hospitality to them. Well, the Ukrainians uh, are bringing Jesus with them to these 12 border countries and many of them are believers. They love the Lord. And so God in his providence, uh, we are seeing revival taking place in Eastern European countries now where we didn't before the war. How many of you know God can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it to good? And that's what we're seeing happen. Um, you're not going to hear a lot of this in the newsreel. You're going to hear some interesting stories. But dealing with the greatest migration in the crisis, really, in the history of Europe since World War II, uh, many residents, of course, have been out power. It's going to be a rough winter this year in Europe. Uh, so we're just trying to bring some solutions for that. Heat sources, uh, many of these areas are burning trees for warmth. They're melting snow for drinking water. Uh, I was told there was a mother and her eight-year-old son and one-year-old daughter that were crossing the border and they had, they survived for three days on one can of ketchup. And they showed up and they said, hey, what have you been eating? And they had an empty can in one of the bags. And they said, we have been eating this ketchup for three days. And they said, well, you're no longer going to need to eat ketchup because we're going to take good care of you. Um, so we're just seeing radical acts of compassion and hospitality. But here's what's cool. One of the most evangelized nations in Eastern Europe is Ukraine. And Ukrainians are moving in to one of the least evangelized nation, which is Poland. And God in his providence is just taking that and 
distributing refugees, but also the people of God, and they're sharing their faith while others are sharing their homes and meals. Uh, we're seeing that happen, and, and that's why we sing that song, Hope Has a Name. His name is Jesus. So excited that this church is going to be able to do a field team in Bulgaria next year. We're feeding kids. So here goes. All over the world, 465,000 kids in 34 countries. We're feeding them every school day. And see, these are some of the beautiful kids. In fact, that is a picture that I shot from Haiti, uh, the Good Samaritan School. So uh, I'm standing up against the wall. And how, yeah, you know, it's kind of odd when somebody comes into your dining room and watches you eat. So I told the pastors and leaders that were with me, I said, hey, you know, this could be a little odd. So just be careful with your pictures. And the little kids stood the children and the little dude right in the middle he goes you can take a picture now <laughs> so he wanted to make sure that i knew he prayed and this was his prayer in haitian creole dear jesus thank you for the food dear jesus thank you for convoy of hope dear jesus keep helping convoy of hope bring the food amen <laughs> they sat down and in, within 10 minutes, you heard scraping of spoons on plastic plates. There was not a bean or a speck of rice or a piece of meat or a plantain left. No food got thrown away. They ate it all. And those that didn't finish, they put in a little container and they pack it away and they put it in their little cubby or backpack to bring home to a little brother or sister that needs nutrition. So because there's micronutrients in this food uh, that's in there. And so they're getting some of the basic things they're not getting in their regular diet through this meal. So our, our passion is for kids all over the world to have food, to have access to clean water and a bright future. More importantly, to hear the gospel just as important. And uh, we know this, half a billion people on earth went to bed hungry last night. And as I said earlier, 16,000 of them will be children who will perish today because of starvation and dehydration. And so uh, right now the world is, is hemorrhaging from post-COVID. Uh, we've seen setbacks in food security around the globe. Some say 10 years, it set us back. We hope that's not true. We hope to keep taking a stab at this. Convoy's goal by, five, by 2025 is to serve half a million kids every school day. And by 2030, we would like to be serving a million children every school day around the world. So with your help, that's happening. Mark Montaigne said this, late great missionary to India, one of my mentors. He said, an empty stomach has no ears. And he quickly realized in the early 50s when he and Halda took a ship to India to answer the call of God for missions, that people were having a tough time listening and focusing on a church service. He's preaching the gospel, but people are starving. So he said, you know what? Let's establish a feeding center and feed these people so that they don't have to think about how painful their body, their stomach hurts, and their head is pounding because of malnutrition. So guess what? God unlocked the door for them to not just start feeding centers, feeding over 20,000 kids in Calcutta, but church all of a sudden was this life-giving, powerful moment. People started coming to Christ. And they just said, thank you for taking care of our physical needs, because now we, we realize we have a need for a savior. His name is Jesus. And so it's not rocket science showing compassion and the basics in life, but 
When your stomach aches, your head pounds, and your mind is in chaos, you need sustenance. You need something good to eat. Yeah, we need the gospel, but we also need the dignity that food and, and water bring to us. And then my friend said this, where you live should not determine if you live. This morning, people are waking up in some very hostile places. And because of where they live, it's kind of determining if they're going to live. I woke up this morning with multiple food options. I could get coffee at the hotel, at the shop, at Mosaic, and I did. Your coffee should be illegal. I got the jitters. Um, and all these food options, like where do I want to eat? What do I want to eat? How much do I want to eat? See, those are, those are not options for a large percentage of people in the world. They have the very basics to get by. So mom told us, thank you for feeding her kids. A mom told me in El Salvador, thank you for feeding our kids. And then she grabbed my shirt and she said, I don't want you feeding my grandkids. That was a moment when I had to go back to the vehicle and have a little talk with Jesus. Because I said, Lord, that mom just said, thanks for feeding her kids, but I don't want you feeding my grandkids. So we have to teach sustainability, amen? We have to teach them how to get food, how to make money, how to grow more and better food to break that cycle of poverty. I love what Tim Keller said. He said, if you have money, power, and status today, it's largely due to A, the century and place in where you were born, and B, your talents and capacities and health, none of which you earned. In short, all of your resources and blessings are in the end the gift of God. So before we think like God, you know, hey, God, in God's hands on America, we are a light to the world. And the church of, of, of Jesus is showing that love to the world. And I'm so grateful. Uh, what the church is to America, I believe America can be to the rest of the world, that light of life. Here's some ag picks, uh, farmers growing more and better food. These are some of our amazing farmers uh, around the world. And you're going to see the Nicaragua dragon fruit farm. And I believe, Joe, were you on that trip? Yo, okay. So this was a trip with the Joe, this church that Joe served at, and Joe and Jolie and their family in Illinois. I was on this trip, and this was one of the first harvests of dragon fruit. Uh, if you've ever eaten dragon fruit, you know it's got a lot of good nutritional value, and, and uh, it's different. It's good. We had ice cream. We had smoothies. We had raw dragon fruit. By the way, it will turn your tongue purple and red, and uh, kids seem to love it. But during the times of drought in Nicaragua, they couldn't grow the corn and beans, but the dragon fruit took off. And our farmers, we have 101 farmers, 10,000 dragon fruit trees or bushes, each of them 10, 100 of them. And it is a beautiful thing. The farmers go out into the middle of the field and in the morning, and they just raise their hands to the sky and say, this is God's property. And I said, hey, how's it going? They said, it's going good. God gave us a recipe. This is one of the farmers. He said, God gave me a recipe for uh, dealing with all the pestilence and bugs. And he said, don't ask me. He said, I don't know if I could make it again. But he said, we're the only farm within miles that doesn't have problems with our crops. <laughs> and I'm like, so God gave you a recipe? And he goes, yeah, it's over there in that bucket. And it's like a five-gallon bucket. You just kind of stir it up and they treat all their plants. So I said, hey, uh, 
those are, if it's God's crops and God's ground and God's harvest, he's going to give you the idea uh, for making money, for growing a good uh, crop, sustainable crops there. And now they're back to growing the corn and beans and the rice and all of the good food that they grow there. Uh, Real quick, so women and girls empowerment, this next set of slides. So we're training women in women's empowerment, girls empowerment. Basically, some of the, the, the things that we're dealing with, with with women around the world with the strength, dignity, hope, and skills for women and girls. Many of these countries, um, they are, they're matriarchal, the family designed that way. And so a lot of these women not just staying at home, taking care of their kids, but they're having businesses, roadside businesses, food, uh, sewing, jewelry, all kinds of things. But one of the big things that we discovered is, for example, in Sub-Saharan Africa, women collectively spend 40 million hours a year collecting water, like hauling water back to their homes, going to get the water. And for many of them, it's a four hour event every single day. So water is critical and foundational to the nutritional development of children and families and communities. And so we're starting to dig wells through our one day and starting to address the water problem. And it has been a powerful thing to witness. So moving along, a mom taught me a new word the other day. She said, she said, convoy taught me a new word. And I said, what was that word? She said, tomorrow. I said, what do you mean? She said, we don't think about tomorrow. We think about today. We just have to hustle today to eat, to survive. And she said, Convoy has allowed us to think that we have a future and a hope because God cares. And she said, God remembered us here in in our community. And this was a a small community just outside of uh, Managua, Nicaragua and Leon. And I had the privilege of being there. And uh, they're just so grateful for the food, for the kitchen that we built, the playground for that particular school. And uh, it's not just about stopping something, but it's about starting something in Jesus' name, breaking that cycle, but also putting something into motion. Here's some quick stats. Uh, Your partnership has provided hope to children, adults, and families. The cool thing about this is the one number it doesn't put is the hundreds of thousands of people that came to Jesus because of these programs. There's no real way for us to count every single soul because those people go back into the churches and they're one to Christ and of course discipled. So we, we have seen hundreds of thousands of people come to faith, but these are just some of the cool numbers that one day to feed the world helps us at Convoy. So Mark chapter 14, there's a story, and I'm going to close with these three big ideas, and then we're going to wrap up because we've got about 10 minutes. This story in Mark chapter 14 is a story that maybe you've heard, but it's about a woman who goes into a house where Jesus and some of his disciples are hanging out. It's two days before the Passover, Mark 14. You could go back and read it. And the chief priests and scribes are plotting how they're going to kill Jesus, but they don't want to kill him publicly to make a scene. So they're actually thinking about how are they going to uh, get rid of Jesus. And it says, uh, not during the feast, lest we make a scene. And while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper, which I just love that verse, Simon, the former leper, like nobody had been miraculously healed of leprosy until Jesus comes in as like, 
leprosy gone. So Simon is in the room, the former leper and some of the disciples. And it says that he was reclining at a table. They had just eaten. A woman comes in with a little jar of very expensive perfume. And she breaks this jar and pours it over Jesus's head. And now it's full freak out mode. There's two responses in the room. Some in the room said, why is she doing that? Does she not know that that is a year's wage to replace that bottle? Not one day's wage, Joe, a year's wage. So people are flipping out going, she could have used those resources so much better. Who does she think she is? Here's what Jesus said. Hey, leave her alone, verse 7. I love this. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing. So now Jesus is teaching. You will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you'll not always have me. She has done what she could. She's anointed my body beforehand for burial. In other words, it was a um, prophetic act, if you will, um, a providential prophetic act to say that this woman has done a beautiful thing. She gave her all. She did a beautiful thing. And then he says, and truly I say, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done today will be told in memory of her. Okay, that is a high octane verse because every time the gospel is preached, Jesus said, we're gonna run it back to this lady's act. What made this act so special? There's the backdrop of this story. There's basically two attitudes towards giving. And once we look at these two attitudes, then we're gonna, I'm gonna give you one last idea that will probably change your life if you let it. First, the first attitude is I'm gonna give all I can give. This was this woman's attitude as she broke that bottle of pure and expensive perfume, poured it on Jesus' head. She spared nothing. She gave everything. You've heard of people say, oh yeah, give your all to Jesus. She did. It's all she really had of value and her life. It was a gift that cost her something. It was a year's wage. Uh, that perfume was worth at least a year's wage. And her attitude was this. I'm going to give all I can give. Do you know people like that? Do you know people who will give you the shirt off their back for you? They show up, they put up, they help you. They're your friend. I've had people like that in my world. Uh, I was a youth pastor in Denver for many years, my wife and I. This was pre-kids. And the first month of living in this house were the new youth pastors, like, like your youth pastor and his wife, and uh, we got robbed. Like we were at a church event, and they cased my house. But they stole all my stuff. They left my wife's stuff. They pillowcased, like took my stuff. And I'm thinking, oh. So we call the police, the police come, guns drawn, because I had guns, and they took my guns, and it was awful. And so they do a report and said, well, you know, sorry, have a nice night. That's pretty much it. Nobody saw anything. So I go to the Friday morning men's, that was on a two, uh, Wednesday night, that was Thursday. Friday morning, I go to the men's pancake breakfast. I hang out with 60, 70, 80-year-old men, eat burnt pancakes, it's awesome. I was the youth pastor. I was in my 20s. And I show up, and they're like, how's it going, Jeff? Welcome to Colorado. And I said, yeah, we got robbed. And I said, yeah, we got a, a house in this subdivision. They don't have any fences, and I got to build a fence someday. 
I'm like, oh, where do you live? Oh, okay, all right. So that's Friday morning. Saturday morning, 10 men in trucks, pickup trucks, work belts, lots of donuts and orange juice and pizza. All day later, the men of that church came to my house and built my fence. And my wife and I are just kind of going, we're just standing on the porch like they built a whole fence around my house. And I said, why are you guys doing this? They said, well, because, you know, you said you needed a fence, right? I'm like, yeah. Nobody's ever done anything like that for me. And I remember it to this day because it was an act of kindness and somebody went out of their way to do something for me that really helped me helped us. This is God's attitude toward us. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. So if you say you love something or someone, you pretty much give your life and time and money to that, right? So generous givers, what motivates people to give all they can? They love Jesus. They love people. They love helping others. And I think we're going to be blown away when we finally realize the connection between prayer and giving and the population of heaven. I really do. I think when we get there. So I'm in Montana, Butte, Montana. I'm preaching in between the first and second service. A little kid comes running down the middle aisle with a pledge form. And it's in between church, and I'm standing right here, and I'm talking to a few people, and this little girl runs by me and doesn't even stop, and she hands me her pledge form, and it's got 10 written on it with a dollar sign. And she made a $10 commitment to feed a child in our feeding program. And I said, thank you, honey. And she goes, no problem. My parents will take care of it. (laughs) She just runs out the back. I'm talking to her parents. And I said, what are you guys going to do? And they said, oh, she's going to earn it. She's going she's to earn 10 bucks because we want to teach our kids the value of giving. I saw Jovi and I saw a few other kids with their little forms and being part of today's miracle offering for one day to feed the world. It's a beautiful thing. Two, I'm going to keep all I can keep. Of course, this is the negative. This is the attitude of the people in the room who watched what was happening. Okay, so the Gospel of Mark doesn't identify by name those who felt this way, but if you read this story in John 12, guess who was the chief complainer? Judas. He's the bean counter. And Judas was the one who said, hey, you know, I've got a different agenda, and I just don't think she should have done that. Do you know people like this? What motivates them? Why do they not... Seek generosity first. Why do they maybe not give? Maybe they've never personally experienced the power of generosity or giving. I'm not sure, but I know this. Um, The quickest way to spiritual and financial disaster is to keep everything for yourself. Every church across America that I go to that's growing, guess what? They're outward focused. They're taking care of business, but they're reaching people and they're doing fun things. They're doing creative things to to win the lost. It's the law of sowing and reaping. I'm going to close with this story. So Jim was an excellent carpenter who for many years worked for a building contractor. And one day the owner said, I'm going to put you in charge of the next house. I build custom home builder. I want you to order all the materials, oversee the job from ground up. So this foreman accepts the job with excitement, enthusiasm. He studies the blueprints. He checked every measurement and every spec, and he thought to himself, why 
If I'm really in charge, I can cut some corners, use less expensive material, and put that extra money in my pocket. So he starts his plan. Who's going to know, right? So once the house is finished, it's going to look great. So Jim carries out his scheme. He orders second-grade lumber, but, indicates, but his report indicates top-grade. He cuts all these corners, infrastructure, concrete, electrical, plumbing, drywall, yet he reports the purchase of much more expensive materials. The house is complete. He shows it to his boss. He gives him a walkthrough. He enthusiastically replies to boss, Jim, you've done a great job. You've made a ton of money. You've been a faithful employee for many, many years. Jim, your work has earned me a reputation for my company of being excellent. And Jim, as a thank you for your years of service, I am giving you the house that you just built. You are building a house and you have to live in it. Make it a house of generosity. Don't cut corners. I see Christians in churches trying to do things and it's like, let's see if we can get away with how little we can do. And that is not God's economy. God's economy is like, do your best. At least do one day or start somewhere. Just do your best. And whatever you do today, I believe Jesus is going to be so pleased because we're going to win the lost and we're going to feed people and bring help and hope to a lot of people around the world. Here's the final idea. You get to keep everything you give as a Christian. So you can keep all you can keep, give all you can give. But here's the coolest principle I know. Um, that there's nothing like this in the investment or financial world. You get to keep everything you give. Look at this promise. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. In other words, you can't take it with you. So I just buried my dad six weeks ago. He was 97 and a half years old. He had an amazing life. I am preaching part of my dad's funeral with his pastor in California. And my dad said <clears throat> before he passed, a week before, he looked at me and he goes, well, all the cornerstones of my life are laid and I've built my life and God has blessed me. And he goes, now whatever happens is on you, son. And I thought, man, I don't like being the next generation. But I asked my dad, I said, what do you think about this, dad? And he goes, you know what? All my things, they're for you guys to go. And I said, I know you got a lot of things, dad. But I said, is there anything? He said, no. He said, I'm not taking anything with me. He said, I'm going to go see Jesus. I'm going to go see mom. And he said, I'm going to be fine. And with that, seven days later, he breathed his last breath in front of us and went home to be with Jesus. And you know what? He didn't take anything with him except what he sent ahead. And he loved Jesus and he loved giving to missions. And so today I challenge you. Uh, to take that principle, look at this proverb, Proverbs eleven twenty four. I think this is in your notes. The world of the generous grows larger and larger. The world of the stingy grows smaller and smaller. So if you want kingdom impact with your offering, we give so that others can simply live at Convoy of Hope through Convoy's ministries, food, water, shoot a hygiene kit in Rwanda when we showed up in Kigali City, Rwanda at a school of a thousand girls, okay? They missed a week of school every month because they were on their menstrual cycle and they were shamed in the community because 
it was it was dishonorable. It was like, you're a girl, whatever. Well, guess what? We got dignity kits for these girls that had all kinds of feminine hygiene products and food and stuff. And guess what? Those girls have not missed a day of school at that school. Before, that was the way it happened. And now that they have access to product and resources and being a dad of girls and now a papa to three granddaughters. Do you know that that really had an impact on me when we delivered those kits to that school in Rwanda? That's the difference that your one day offering has made. So I'm over time now. I'm going to close with Rika's story and then Joe's going to come back up here. I just want to say thank you, your partnership, your giving today. Um, we're going to keep Jesus at the center of our work. I will tell you that. Uh, many missions organizations have become agencies of social reform or social justice, but at times at the exclusion of proclaiming the gospel. And I want to commit to you today that our goal at Convoy is to keep Jesus at the center of our work. Everywhere we go, we're preaching, we're telling the world about Christ. And some places it's received and some places it's not, but that's okay. We keep, we keep going forward. Amen. Check out this little girl named Rika. She lives in the Philippines. With that, I'll close. We are a family of five siblings. My mother is pregnant with her sixth child. Life has been very difficult for us. Our house is cramped and covered with just a plastic roof. We get soaked whenever it rains, and it is next to a smelly drainage. My father used to have a steady job, but now all he gets are small odd jobs. Some days he tries to sell packets of spices. All we had to eat was rice with salt and water. Sometimes we could add soy sauce. We live a difficult life. My husband worked long hours but could not earn enough. We could only afford to buy half or just a quarter of the amount of rice that we need. Sometimes my husband and I would not eat just so our children could. It was very hard. I feel sad and cry when I thought of my brothers and sisters. They had nothing to eat, and we often went to bed with empty stomachs. It is difficult because we could not sleep. I would lay awake at night thinking of things to do to make money. The night is long when you cannot sleep. They can't withstand hunger. They would ask for more food, but we don't have any food left to give. It seemed nothing would ever change. But then it did. 
Isa po ako sa Rika was selected to be part of the children's feeding program with Kamboy of Hope. Kamboy of Hope helps us in so many ways. They give us food bags and groceries. From Monday to Friday, they surprise porridge and egg. Sometimes fruit like bananas or fried fish fritters. We'll even have chocolate rice porridge. I'm happy for my brothers and sisters because we all have nutritious food. They give us enough for all of us to eat. The feeding program helps us so much without expecting anything in return. Kamboy of Hope has helped the kids with their studies, provided blankets, thrown Christmas parties, and made sure we have what we need. Sometimes I volunteer so I can give back to the organization that has changed our lives. I want to be a teacher because I want to help the children in the streets who are just like me. Just keep going, keep fighting. As long as we're living, we can keep going. Kamboy of Hope has changed my life. My family is much happier, and so am I. And now, I am able to sleep. For decades, Convoy of Hope has continued to impact thousands of people in communities like this through children's feeding programs, agricultural training, women's empowerment initiatives, and disaster relief. Convoy of Hope is making an enormous impact throughout the world. You can be part of this movement by joining in the One Day to Feed the World campaign by giving one day's wages. You turn your daily work into action. Your one day transforms their every day. Thank you for supporting the mission of Convoy of Hope and bringing hope to communities around the world. Amen. Church, I just want to thank you in advance um, for what you're going to do because these are real people with real needs. Um, I've been there. I love that last video um, shot in the Philippines. That's where I was born. Um, my parents were missionaries there and, um, and so I've been there. I've seen the need in person. Uh, I've been to many of the Latin American countries where Convoy works. I've, I, I was a missionary in Bulgaria where we're going to be headed next year uh, to work with the Roma people. And so this isn't just, you know, money in a pot, you know, to some organization that is doing little good, you know, and, and, and like, you know, I don't know if you know much about the charity world, but in many organizations, 40, 50, maybe 60% of every dollar you know, gets in kids' bellies. And Convoy's not like that. Over 90%. 92% of every dollar is food in kids' bellies and work on the field and, and agriculture and feeding programs. And, and, and so it's good soil. It's good soil. And just like we've been talking about this whole last month uh, in this series, The Life-Giving Church, this is why God put us here. This is the essence of what God wants us to do. To love him, to love others. What, what did, what did uh, James say? Hey, the, the true religion is feeding the poor and the widow, helping the oppressed, being there for people. And so I, I don't know about you, but I know that I can't be all over the world, right? But I can do for one what I wish I could do for everybody. So I could help somebody here. I could help somebody there. I could give my one day 
I can, I can do these things. And so that's when, that's why I, as your pastor, love one day to feed the world so much is because it, it puts our heart in the right place. It puts our eyes in the right place. And it gives us a very tangible step to, to contribute and do something for those who need a hand up. And so today, as you leave, if you're writing a check, um, make it out to Mosaic Church. And tomorrow, when we do the deposit and, and, and do all the financial stuff, we will write one big check um, and send it to Convoy of Hope um, gladly. Man, and man, I can't wait to celebrate next week, next week with you um, because I believe that God's going to do, uh, just like Jeff said, it's, it's going to be a miracle of how much our little church can do to bless those who need it. And so, um, hey, take your, take your one day's wages. You can either give it in person here today as you leave. You can drop it in the bucket or um, you can go online. You can even text to give. And, um, and hey, we can't wait to see what God does through you. And so thanks for giving. Thanks for your generosity. Thanks for saying yes to God's call um, to, to be generous. And um, hey, if you missed any weeks of this series, go back and, go back and watch. Because I believe that this heart, this direction, is, is the heart of God for our church. He wants us to be life-giving. He wants us to follow his word in our generosity, in our lifestyle, and in our mission. And so this is what we do. We are a life-giving church. Thanks for being a part of the journey this month. Let me pray. And after I'm done praying, there's gonna be a prayer team up front. If you need prayer for anything today, hey, come get prayer, don't be bashful. Um, and then you can give your one day on the way out or online. And we thank you so much. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for Jeff. Thank you for Convoy. Thank you for this ministry that we get to partner with and, and um, bless, bless the world through. Uh, God, thank you for the missionaries that we support that are around the world right now doing your work and, and, and sowing your, your seeds uh, of the gospel in, in so many different places. And God, thank you that we as a church, we get to be a part of what you're doing. And so today, take what we give, multiply it for you and your kingdom. God, we want to make a big difference. We want to feed a lot of kids. God, we want to see a lot of people come to know Jesus. Jesus, we want to be world changers starting right here in our own community. And so fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill us, God. Keep our eyes on you. Keep our hearts soft and tender to the work that you're doing around the world. Help us to never become calloused or jaded or, or just have closed ears when you call and you ask us to step in and help. Give us your heart. Give us your eyes. Help us to see the world like you see it and always ready to do what we can do to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.